welcome back to Mailbag of the Wind, the uh, interstitial podcast where we read the mail of Page of the Wind. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. And boy, do we have some letters for you. And this first one is from our frequent writer, the Jade Blade. On page 456 and Jeremy being slightly off. Dear Pagers, Pagerinos, Trio, Jordanic, etc., on this page, Jeremy, who I normally find myself agreeing with, is sadly mistaken about the age of Mellow and Lackless. The mayor wants to marry her to beget an heir or two, and to do that, she has to be younger than in her 40s. Getting pregnant and bearing healthy children becomes exponentially harder and more dangerous after 35. Uh, and then she's linked to a March of Dimes article about pregnancy complications, so I posit that she is roughly in her 20s, which are pretty good years for childbearing. This also brings about a crackpot theory that I don't know if I've heard before. What if Melowin is not Natalia's younger sister? What if she is Natalia's daughter? Her suspected age puts her not much older than Foth, and the pain of losing a mother is sharper and deeper than that of losing a sister, by and large. I have no evidence for this theory other than the short gap in suspected ages, but it is intriguing nonetheless. Also, as a side note, perhaps the mayor isn't gay, but isn't straight or bisexual either. Perhaps he is asexual, and having a sexual or romantic relationship at all is a foreign concept to him. Let us assume that the mayor is in his 30s or 40s. Not unusual for an older man to have a younger wife in times gone by. Under that assumption, we can further assume that most straight or bisexual men would have had at least some casual dalliances with women, even if we're just speaking of prostitutes. So, the fact that the mayor has no idea how to woo a woman points to either being really gay or asexual. There is little evidence as to his sexual orientation or interest in the text, so this is another cracked pot for us to consider. Sincerely, the Jade Blade. I I really like this this theory, and I feel like we totally should have come up with this, and I'm sort of disappointed in us as a group for not having come up with it. Um, but yeah, like that that it would that they would be like a mother, not a not a sister. I just think that that's a really interesting avenue that we did not explore and it's it's curious i don't i don't know that i buy it but i like the discussion i like the curiosity of that snippet Mm -hmm. that would make it kind of even weirder that quoth is like wooing her you're kind of getting luke luke and leia vibes off of that but since you quite rightly point out that uh she if she's of good childbearing age then she's got to be younger than in her 40s i do think that that makes a lot of sense brackets around childbearing age and 40 (laughs) in the context of the book huh you you said if if she is if she is within childbearing age you would assume she's less than 40 and my bracket is in the context of the book yeah 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 and i just want to make sure that 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 is noted so that someone doesn't listen to this episode and go what do you mean (laughs) Do you have anything you want to say on the subject of the the mayor and whether or not he's asexual? I don't I I'm on the fence as far as like where my what I what I really think the book is going to do. Uh but as far as like what I would like to see happen, like I think that would be again very interesting. I would be I would be there for it. But I I just can't imagine Roth is taking that route. Yeah. I don't think that that was in the conversation when he was writing these books. Um, But, you know, I also don't think that he's, I mean, honestly, I don't really 
give a shit what what's going on with the mayor like that's not actually all that important to me but i choose to take the straightest and most obvious route which is that uh he's just an awkward dude yeah i think he might just be an awkward dude also but who knows i guess we'll find out (laughs) and uh, you know what we'd love to see awkward dude representation in the media indeed Rachel uh, writes to us on Dennis' reaction to the Chandrian. Hi guys, I've been flitting between the two books while researching my emails to you and have been struck by how differently Denna reacts when Quoth mentions the Chandrian in each book. In Name of the Wind, at the Mouthen Farm, do you know that children's song? Denna looked at me blankly, so I sang. Quoth uh, sings a song. Denna grows paler as she realized what I was implying. She nodded and chanted the chorus softly to herself. And then later, when Quoth has let Denna know that he thinks it was the Chandrian, uh, what do you think happened here, I asked. What do you think killed these folks? She crossed her arms in front of her chest. I don't know, she said. It could have been all manner of... She stopped chewing on her lower lip. No, that's a lie, she said at last. It sounds strange to say, but I think it was them. It sounds like something out of a story, so I don't want to believe it, but I do. Contrast this to the wise man's fear. In the version of the story I heard, I said, touching the far edge of the secret... Lanara became one of the Chandrian. You should be careful. Some stories are dangerous. Denna stared at me for a long moment. The Chandrian, she said incredulously. Then she laughed. It was not her usual delighted laugh. It was a sharp, it was sharp and full of derision. What kind of a child are you? I can rationalize away the differences in reaction. In the first scene, Denna has just been present at a massacre and is now exploring the creepy ruins of the farmhouse built on an ancient barrow. She's just seen blue fire and new metal turn to rust. She's freaked out and a lot more predisposed to believe a supernatural explanation. In the second scene, she's hundreds of miles from the mouth and farm. It's broad daylight. They're in a garden. There's no imminent threat. And she's just been singing a song in which her mind, in which in her mind has no relevance to the Chandrian story. No wonder it seems more ridiculous. Even so, the contrast between the two reactions still feels quite jarring to me. And I wondered if it was possible that anything else was going on to explain it. Do you have any thoughts? I do now. (laughs) I hope you're enjoying your interlude and are feeling refreshed. Don't hurry back. Look after yourselves. But when you return, I'll be eagerly awaiting the next episode. Well, thank you, Rachel. Uh, Sounds like Jordana's got some thoughts. To see these reactions put out like that side by side, I can't believe that, like, again, that we did not catch this. Uh, This, like, this reeks of a crackpot theory. <laughs> so, like she does already know her patron when the moth and farm stuff happens, but what if she somehow ended up relaying some of that to her patron and then her patron ostensibly not wanting her to to see the way of things via quoth like drills into her how like oh no the chandrian are silly you don't need to believe in them they're this song is about this other thing that's way more important and totally more cool and will get people to listen to your song and the chandrian are dumb children's stories and blah 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 and affects her perception of that Mm. so that then her later reaction the wise man's fear is affected Mm. by uh discussions with her patron Wow. Huh? Yeah. That's an interesting what? idea. Right? Yeah. I don't know if I believe it, but it's a crackpot. I'm channeling my inner Nick. He'd be very proud looking Yay. on at you from, you know, in his force ghost form, solemnly raising a hand. 
I feel like I have exactly the opposite crackpot theory. Okay. Well, it seems to me that between the Mouthen farm and her playing the Lanra song to Quoth, she has encountered absolute proof that the Chandrian exist and has become somehow enmeshed in their schemes. And she wants to be, for whatever reason, she wants to make absolutely sure that Quoth does not continue to pursue knowledge of their existence. She wants to discourage him in the strongest possible terms from believing that the Chandrian are real. And so she derides him like a little baby. And whether she's doing that because she wants to protect him in some way, or whether she's doing that because she is fully in league with the Chandrian and wants to throw Quoth off the scent, that's an open question. But it seems to me that she knows for sure they exist and wants to make sure that Quoth doesn't. Mm. I had I had not fully considered that. That is also feels just about as plausible as, as mine. <laughs> Well, there you go, Rachel. You got two crackpot theories for the price of one. Woo! We have one more letter from Kevin. So, uh, Kevin writes on the subject of Pennant's Courtyard. Hi, Trio. During the hiatus, I've been re-listening to Page of the Wind from the beginning. I'm dealing with some extreme stress in my life, and hearing your familiar voices has really helped temper my anxiety. So thank you for your body of work, Pagers. Also, I realized I hadn't actually listened to the entire back catalog from the beginning of Name of the Wind. So I also got to experience some new material too. Anyway, I caught something new on page 299 of the first book that I'd already subconsciously connected, but I don't know if it was addressed directly. The courtyard at the university where offenders are whipped has many names, but one of them is the pennant courtyard. This is presumably because there's a flagpole in the center and another word for flag is pennant. But why use that particular synonym? It strikes me that the word pennant is awfully close to penance as well as penitent. This fits perfectly since a person being whipped would be paying for their offense, their penance, as well as feeling remorse for their crime, penitent. Since this seeming coincidence wasn't explicitly spotlighted in the text, I just wanted to flag it for further discussion. Thanks for your hard work, time, and effort on the podcast, signed Kevin. P.S. As I was typing the last word, podcast, my iPhone tried to autocomplete the word into Padeo, that's the name of the audiobook narrator for this series. Coincidence? Hmm. Or is Nick Padeo a Chandranoid? Well, that's an open question. But, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for your letter. I think that this, this is my kind of crackpot theory, I think. Because it's very common over time and with retelling for people to, to bodlerize or misconstrue words. Think of 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 like phrases like I could care less. That doesn't make any sense. The sentence is I couldn't care less. Enough broken telephone happens and people missay it. So what if the king that Cloth killed was the pennant king because they were the king of the pennant courtyard somehow. And over time it got turned into they were the penitent king because they were sorry for something because people have forgotten that there was this pennant courtyard that existed. I think that is a very interesting idea. What do you think, Jordana? I liked it. I think that's definitely something to think on, definitely something to put a pin in. I also think that even if it isn't connected to the Penitent King and it's just like, hey, look, there's this courtyard and it's named this and these are the reasons why, that could be left up to the reader. And I think that these are all good reasons for it. But uh, I, 
I, either way, whether or not it does end up having anything to do with the Penitent King, or if it's just like, hey, here's this weird thing, and the courtyard is named after this stuff. Um, cool both ways. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. Also, just, I feel like a couple of people have written in being like, we're listening to your backlog. And not that I don't think the work we did in the beginning wasn't a the passion project that it is, but we're much better at podcasting than we were and a lot of those old episodes are not our best work so like when people listen to it from the beginning i get a little anxious well i have made it my mission to become a worse podcaster now than i was then so i think it'll all balance out oh okay good so we'll uh we'll start from the bottom and end up back there at the end that's right all right sounds good And listeners, you can start from the bottom with us and end up here on tomorrow's page of The Wind.